When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And I mean, once you go down that clean hall outside the lighthouse in bad weather, you're taking your life in your hand, like. That's because if you hadn't the Duke's permit, the Duke's you'd permit. have to stay outside the line. You'd have to stay outside the line. And why? For the permit. This is Pat Parker and Sean Murphy, whose family have fished the Blackwater estuary in Yall Harbour for generations. Oh, we'll have a master this evening. We've got a good few flights out there in our time too, like. Yall Harbour is privately owned. It's been in the Duke's family since 1753. People fishing over the yard. And the whole of was involved in fishing back then. And I mean the whole of like everything, went through the fishing at that time. And everyone couldn't get a permit. I see, there was a lot of boats, you know, and they couldn't get permits. And it was strictly enforced, like, and they made sure. To fish in the harbour... It was enforced. You have to pay for a state licence and for a permit from the private owner. Yeah, it was like, and people were rearing families and they had to go out because that's the only thing that they had at the time. Like, In my own time as a young for being reared, like, when, when the, the salmon was over after that six months, times were hard. And I mean, they were hard. Like, There was nothing in the houses. Uh, uh, they'd be pinching and scraping for the rest of the time like until the salmon came around again. Like, But that's all in the past now. So they had no other choice, only to go out underwater. Drift net fishing is banned in the harbour. And there was a lot, there was no engines in them days, like, they were pulling boats, like, the rear families and what have you, like, and they had to go, they had to take chances. There was only a certain amount of permits, and that Englishman had the right to hand out the permits to who he see fit to hand them. And to this day, he can still do it. This is a story about the River Blackwater. It's a story about the communities who live along the banks of the river, and about the man who owns around 20 miles of that river, the Duke. Well... The Duke is the Duke of Devonshire, and his his um, main home is uh, Chatsworth uh, House uh, in England. He uh, Lismore Castle is his residence here. So uh, he has a huge estate above there, and uh, I'm sure he's a very nice man. I have no claims against his estate in Lismore or against his property. But I have uh, a problem with him owning the harbour. This is Ollie Casey. What's so important? I suppose... A town councillor from Yall. When you look back and see the generations that lived on the river and had to pay for the privilege of fishing on a river belonging to the state, in my opinion, practically to an absentee landlord, I suppose you could say. For the past 18 and 19 years... Ollie has maintained that the harbour should be in the possession of the local authority. Um, how I came, became involved at all was that uh, at a council meeting, the harbour master, Lord of Mercy, he's, he's gone now, he mentioned that we would have to ask the Duke's permission for to uh, put moorings down in the harbour. Of course, I said, uh, um, what? We have to ask the, 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 the Duke for permission to put down something in our own harbour. 
And I was told, yes, that's correct, because he owned the bed of the river. So straight away, I mean, I said, oh, this is ridiculous. So I started then to take um, a real interest in the, in the river, and um, I went off and uh, got a folio 1645, which is a land registry. And the land registry map showed that we actually owned the river uh, bed from uh, the slablands heading out into the river for hundreds of metres and all the way out on our side of the river, out as far as Dysart on the front strand. And all this is on the land registry to all town council. So straight away I said, well, the Duke can't own it if it's registered to us. Yall Harbour said, encompasses about four there? square miles. So I uh, did a bit more checking and I found out that f- fishermen were prevented from uh, putting down um, mussels or fishing without uh, the Duke's consent and they had to pay a licence to the Duke. And then I thought mussels are attached to the bed of the river. They're not free-swimming fish. And why should the Duke stop somebody from putting uh, mussels on the bed of our section of the river? So the whole lot developed from that, and I found that, um, gosh, the more I went into it, that the Duke was, um, I didn't think his rights were uh, as strong as he claimed that they were. But I had no absolute proof beyond y'all what he actually did own. So, uh, folio 1645 is the basis I'm coming from, and I'm saying he doesn't own the property in Yall Harbour, and that the control of Yall Harbour is in the Harbour Authority, which is now the Town Council. The Council put aside some money, which is small money, because, I mean, to go to the High Court or go to the Supreme Court would cost an awful lot of money, and us being a small council can't afford big money. But I would hope that the Duke would see sense in the meantime and relinquish his right, uh, as he claims. Or I'll produce something like the folio we have, saying a deed, saying this is mine, end of story. But as far as you're aware, Yall Town Council never had jurisdiction over the waters oh, here. We have, we're, 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 we're the Port Authority here. But you've never owned the fishing rights? No. We've never been uh, had ownership. No, I would dispute that. It is control over um, the salmon in the river. Why else would you be paying a license? Do you think it's a battle of the classes? I don't feel any worse than worse off than the joke. The joke to me is a man, and I, I suppose I would, uh, in a sense. Uh, greet him as a man of of authority, maybe of a bit of with carries a bit of power, but no more than I would say any other person. I give them the respect that that they deserve. And I think probably he's a man of honour as well. I would think, Do you know. But um, class, I suppose he, he certainly doesn't come from my class. You know, um, I wouldn't be invited to dinner now in the castle. On a regular basis, anyway. And I'll see. There's the two licenses. There's the Southern Region Fishery Board, that one, and this the Blackwater. Above Yarl Bridge, we fished with Swankenley Castle, 
There's another lot then, below the Yall Bridge. Moving about two miles upstream from Yall Harbour through the Duke's waters. And where are we standing now, Roger? Just We're standing on Ballinatash Key. I meet another driftnet fisherman. Ballinatash Key. Roger Morrison. Um, it's uh, This stretch of the black water is well hidden from the public gaze. This, this area is Ballinatash. The riverbanks are densely forested. You know, it's, uh, the land is rich. That's, that's what it's called. And only and a handful of houses look onto the river. There's so many different name, name places. A lot of the entrances around here have a no trespasser sign. There's Frankly. But you can see everything from the river. That castle. See? This quay here was full of people back over the years when fishing has gone on. Now who, who do you see here? No one here today. The Duke was one of the best people that you ever dealt with. I mean, we're paying license to him, and they would never bother with those. And uh, I'd have to stand, you know, this, this cold, anyway. The fishing always, or the license always stayed within the family, unless some of them died off and they were known to take it over. That was the private families from this more. Like my people now, they went back to the 18th century. And I passed on my note to my son, you see. So it was an unbroken license every year from the 18th century. That's how long we take note this permit from this mall. And paying money to the Duke. And paying money to the Duke, that's right. He would write to you before you took it out and let you know that he'd be collecting it at the Devonshire Arms in Yall. That's where they collected the license. I wouldn't want to see the joke on down. He never done us any harm. We still have meetings with his agent to find out what's going on, and he's very cooperative in every way. Whereas when we try and get some information off the government, to nothing but letters, negative letters coming back, they're looking into it. So at least with the joke, you get a straight answer. They're honest to goodness with you. And you can't go any further than that. And it's not our fault that they've still got these more estates. That's the fault of the people that made the agreement in 1922. Not only with these more, but with all the other people as well. Did you ever meet the Duke? No, not personally, no. No. I never met him. So I was the agent we dealt with. Whatever agent to be in the castle, that's the man we deal with. So far, I haven't met anyone who's actually met the Duke. For the next 11 miles or so, the river is a sort of no man's land. The water is difficult to access because of the wide slob banks and the rising and falling tides that push and drag the wild Atlantic salmon. There are no fishermen here and no anglers either. From Yall Harbour to Capaquin is about 17 miles and the Duke of Devonshire owns more than two thirds of this stretch of the river. From Capaquin to Lismore is a further five miles or so 
and the Duke owns all that stretch of the river. It's great country down here in West Waterford. It's, I mean, it's beautiful. I'm, I'm a Roscommon man and I come from, I'm wedged up between Leitrim and Sligo, so the land would be, the first thing you notice is the land is beautiful, it's green, it's uh, aristocratic, um, there's no rushes, there's no... Um, Brian Sheeran is the CEO of the Southern Regional Fisheries Board. Uh, it's a beautiful part of the country, um, it's superb scenery and a, it's a kind of a hidden Ireland to a lot of people, the Munster, the Munster Blackwater, uh, the, the valley of it, is, it's, it's, it's really beautiful from the top of Kerry down to Yahoo. And one of the richest aspects to the valley here is the river itself. Well, the river is the engine of the valley because, uh, you know, there's huge tributaries. It's a, it's a massive salmon river. This year, the Southern Regional Fisheries Board will allow nearly 8,000 salmon to be caught on the river Blackwater. You know, it supports a lot of uh, tourist amangning uh, operators. Uh, there's a huge amount of visitors come into the area. Uh, the local communities are employed along the river. From the Ahal Lighthouse up to Carysville, the, the Duke of Devonshire would be the major, the major owner. He'd be the majority stakeholder there. And um, um, there would be other, fa other small portions owned by other people, but they're, they'd be all singing off the same hymn sheet. Have you ever met the Duke himself? No, I haven't, no, no. Or I haven't met his son, Lord Burlington, either, so... I only deal with his agents and I, I wouldn't be, uh, you know, rubbing shoulders with them or invited to dinner parties or that. If you did meet him, how would you address him? Well, I suppose the Duke, you know, I don't know what his first name is even, so it would be, hello, hello Duke, nice to meet you. The river moves sluggishly along these parts. At times, it's hard to even hear it. Nearing Capaquin, the river begins to change. Watching the swans just taking off behind us. Oh, I think anybody that's grown up here loves the river, uh, or most people would would love it. Just downstream from Capaquin, I met Jeremy Nicholson. Well, I'm secretary of the Capaquin Salmon and Trout Anglers Association, and we have a club here in Capaquin. Um, we have four miles of double bank fishing. I suppose at this point, uh, we're actually 17 miles up, up river. It is indeed tidal. In the main freshwater, might be a touch priny in places, uh, but I, I don't have a, a meter to actually measure that. But um, it's still tidal, almost up to Lismore. It's privately owned um, by the Duke of Devonshire and Lismore Estates, and we've leased that uh, this fishing since 1989. We renew it every year, um, and um, whatever our arrangements are every year, we confirm those. It's worked out very well. It means that we can provide fishing at very reasonable rates to people wishing to fish here compared to other parts of the river. For example, a day's fishing uh, north of Capaquin in, in one of the fishing lodges may cost you 140 odd euros uh, a day, whereas an annual membership for people from outside of the Capaquin area is 130 membership. That's for the entire season. At the height of the season, 25 euros for the day, which is in September, or 12 euros a day early season. So it's a very economic way of providing fishing for both visitors and uh, uh, people from overseas. Presumably the Duke gets some funds in relation to the lease? Of course, yes. It's a, it's a lease and we have to pay for our fishing. Essentially we just lease the water and we do our thing after that. We're not bound uh, to uh, any other arrangements, uh, we just pay for our lease and we operate our club uh, as, as we see fit.
And what type of numbers are involved in the club? Oh, I think we have a total of about 70 in total. Has there ever been an issue in the Capricorn area in relation to the river being privately owned? Uh, over time we'll have people that wouldn't agree with uh, the private ownership of, of the river, yes indeed. But uh, that's the way it is. The state recognises the ownership um, of the fishing rights by uh, the Duke of Devonshire. Um, the Central Fishery Board seems to recognise that from our investigations when we were doing our development works here. You know, as far as the law is concerned, that's the way it is and that's what we've got to work with. What would the general attitude towards the Duke be? Oh, God. Um, I suppose... I never hear much about it, really. It's, uh, I mean, people in the locality get on with their lives, as, as I do. Um, it isn't a subject that tends to come up. Um, I don't know, he seems to have uh, contributed by uh, leasing us our water, so we can't complain as a club. We're pleased with that relationship. The common factor in all of this stretch of the river is the Duke. I knew nothing about him, and neither, it seemed, did anybody else. No one had even met him, so I did a bit of research. It turns out he's a good friend of the Prince of Wales, the Queen's representative at Ascot, and one of the richest men in Britain. His main residence, Chatsworth House, has a roof space of 1.3 acres, 175 rooms, 3,500 feet of passageway, 17 staircases, 359 doors, 21 kitchens and 56 toilets. I wanted to meet this man. Good evening, Liam. Um, You're welcome to Dungarvan and uh, I believe you have an interest in uh, matters riparian, touching on the River Blackwater. As recently as last year, the Duke's ownership of fishing rights was challenged by a group of anglers from the Dungarvan area. Paddy Gordon was their solicitor. And, uh, there have been a number of court cases. Well, the position at the time was that uh, Capuquin uh, Anglers Association had taken a lease of a stretch of river from the Duke of Devonshire and um, they were effectively administering the fishery uh, at the behest of uh, the um, Duke's agent. And um, I was asked to look after the interests of the people who were scheduled to appear in court on these charges. The main thrust of the charges was that they had been fishing on the Blackwater uh, without a proper permit. The offences as brought related to a particular patch of ground on the river, just outside the town of Capaquin. In this particular instance, uh, the the location was identified on a map and... uh, the identity of the owner of the lands in question was established and uh, it transpired that his folio was silent on fishing rights. In other words, it didn't say whether they were vested in him or vested in anyone else either. So when we looked into the documents underlying his folio, it transpired that the uh, Irish Land Commission in 1906 when they vested the lands in uh, his forebears, the rights at that time were vested by the Irish Land Commission in the tenant at that time. And those rights, once we looked into them further, a chain of title could be established back to the 1800s.
And uh, indeed, this is verified in documentation which was furnished to us uh, prior to the uh, court case by the um, Department of Agriculture, who state, uh, have stated in a letter of 2006 that the sporting rights on the lands in question were vested in the tenant by the Irish Land Commission. During that trial, counsel for the Capaquin Salmon and Trout Anglers Association produced an affidavit that the Duke's agent had found in the Land Commission archives. It stated that while sporting rights on the townland in question were vested in the tenant in 1906, the fishing rights had been reserved to Lismore Estates and the Duke. The Duke's title has been tested many, many times. The earliest cases that I'm aware of uh, were in 1826 and 1827, where individuals by the name of Hodnett and Morrissey were prosecuted for... um, One was for cot fishing and the other was for having some kind of a weir on the river, and uh, convictions were accorded in the course of those proceedings. In more recent times, in 1882, the question of rights on the river came before the uh, House of Lords and... It would appear from the preamble to the decision handed down in that case that um, there were seven attempts or seven hearings of the case before a a decision which was favourable to the Duke's interest was uh, ultimately handed down by the House of Lords. The 1882 case is of particular importance in that it laid the legal foundations for the Duke's rights on the River Blackwater. In 1882, the House of Lords would have been effectively the uh, supreme um, uh, judicial body insofar as uh, citizens of Ireland were concerned. And uh, that remained so until the country gained its independence and then, of course, our own Supreme Court was appointed and uh, has administered... uh, The judiciary, Irish judiciary, have administered law in this country since then. Uh, Of course, decisions of the House of Lords... Uh, are of high persuasive value in this country right down to the present time. But they are not binding on this uh, jurisdiction. They are, as I say, of high persuasive value, but no more. And in my view, where um, the circumstances have changed and additional material has come to light, uh, certainly a decision such as that of the 1882 decision of the House of Lords, touching upon the River Blackwater, should be subject to review by the uh, judiciary in this country in a normal manner. Possibility of changing the course of Irish history? Well, I suppose we're 800 years at it and uh, there's still a bit to be done. Why, in your opinion, does the Duke contest these fishing rights? Well, I suppose, uh, human nature being what it is, if one has rights, one is inclined to uh, protect them and uh, hold on to them. And uh, you don't lightly uh, give away uh, such an asset because clean, fertile rivers are becoming a a, a treasure. And um, if one has it, one is inclined to hold on to it. Thank you very much. This is all castle now. Far over now, as you can see. Moving upstream from Capaquin to Lismore, you begin to approach the Duke's estate proper. Unbelievable, isn't it? Yeah, in fairness, like, you know, just, you'd never hear anyone saying a bad word about the castle, like, you know. They've been very, very good. Like, you know, the only thing you'll never get off the castle, you'll never get a sight. They don't like selling what they have. When you see Lismore Castle, you think it was something from a fairy tale. Which are who does, I suppose. 
I went into the village for a pint and I asked if the Duke was around. They said he was above at the castle. I found out a week or so later it wasn't him. It was the Duke in waiting, his son looks, Lord Burlington. You know what looks, certainly looks the part. Nobody knew what the Duke looked like. Certainly you come into Lismore on your left hand side all the way down. There's all castle land on your left hand side. There's a community centre that was built there a few years ago and all in castle ground again. So you know in fairness they've been very good to the town. Supplying whatever whatever land was ever supplied, castle supplied it to benefit to benefit of the town. Some people would say, should they have to give away in the first place? I don't know, I wouldn't have allowed to answer that one now. <laughs> the front of the castle now comes into full view here overlooking the river. It is just amazing in fairness. Absolutely fantastic. Paul Whelan is the fishery manager at the neighbouring Fort William estate that leases fishing rights from the Duke. They had an opportunity of taking the water from, from the castle in front, of, um, in front of Lismore Castle, which is um, a three-rod beat. Basically, we'd, we'd go in, have three rods at any one time fishing. It works pretty well. They have a good relationship with the castle. You know, so we try to, with the fishermen, try to keep it that little bit private then as well. So it, it is, it's, it's a lovely setting, and it, it does certainly help towards Fort William having that beat. Paul is also a member of the local angling club in Lismore, who also lease waters from the Duke. We have a club which we have 55 anglers that pays an annual fee every year to the castle. It is a closed shop. It is just for the people of the town. We've always had it, and it's a good relationship to have that the Duke can supply fishing for the locals of the town. And would it be considered expensive now? Well, it wouldn't. It wouldn't, but I suppose at the end of the day it is... It's, it's for the people of the town for maybe two or three days fishing in Fort William or upriver would be the equivalent of what we're paying in Lismore but then again we have 50 members so or 55 members so 55 members if they all went down there's just not having the, the freedom of the fishing you might have to sit down and take your turn then again he's, um, he's supplied the fishing for for the locals of the town now, there has been occasions where he's taking his own clients from the UK down, I suppose his own personal, maybe family members, and he would contact the, the secretary of the club and we would um, hold off the river for the day or two days, whichever he likes. Have any of the lads now in the club, have they ever fished with the Duke? No, no, none of the lads. Just the lads, whatever lads that have fished... Not fishing with the Duke himself, fishing with maybe family members. I don't think any of the lads have fished with the Duke himself. It's a great name to have, isn't it, the Duke? Yeah, I suppose it is around here. You know, we don't know him. You know, Everton and Lismore, he was always the Duke, you know, the Duke of Devonshire. You know, certainly if you mentioned his, his proper name, people would say, who's he? You know, so he's just known as the Duke, Duke of Devonshire. Certainly I wouldn't know what to call him if he walked across the field only the Duke. <laughs> March 18th, 2008. Pratt's Gentlemen's Club, Westminster, London. Hello, good morning. Hi, how are you doing? My name is Liam O'Brien. I have an appointment with the Duke. Yeah. Come in. Thank you very much. and down the stairs. Out comes the bottom of the stairs, Lovely, thank you very much. 
Um, right, the producer was look after you. He's still at the, his Ascot meeting upstairs. So. No problem. Mr. Brown. Yes. Hello there. Duke. Hello. How Good are you getting on? Good, thanks. Thank you very much for taking the time to do Not this. Not at all. No, I'm sorry I have kept you waiting. That's okay. No um, problem. Shall, I'll, shall I disappear? Yeah, okay. Thanks, Mark. Okay, thank you. Thanks. My parents both really loved being at Lismore, and we inherited that love as well. Uh, we've always regarded it as a sort of second home. Uh, we've always found um, the place and the people around the place um, extremely welcoming, and uh, it's just a lovely, relaxing place to be. I don't know whether it's true, but I've heard that the Blackwater Valley is known as the Valley of Slumber, and certainly it's a place you sleep better than anywhere else. So it's a great place to relax, um, and there's beautiful places to visit. The gardens at Lismore are lovely. The town of Lismore is wonderful. You have what some would consider a substantial estate in Lismore. Yes, uh, we are very lucky in that way. Historically, uh, we have inherited um, a beautiful house and a, a very nice estate, and um, we're very lucky to have it. And what size of estate are we talking about? Well, the the main farming estate is about a thousand acres, and there's several thousand more acres of of mountain land, uh, which is problematic in value, but not problematic in beauty. And of course, one of the main assets of the estate is the Blackwater itself, or some of the Blackwater. Well, from our point of view, um, the the ownership of the fishing rights and the bed of the river date back to the Earls of Desmond, and then later to Sir Walter Raleigh. And through a convoluted and complicated um, series of uh, happenstances, really, we do own quite a large part of the River Blackwater. And the stretch of Blackwater that we're speaking about specifically to to yourself in terms of ownership, what is that stretch? Well, we own about two-thirds of the tidal water, which that extends from the mouth of the river to about a quarter of a mile downstream from Lismore Bridge. And we also own a further mile of water upstream from Lismore itself, and then another um, a mile and three quarters uh, in the Fomoy area, uh, round Clondelaine, uh, at a place called Carysville, and that was acquired by my grandfather um, in, in the late 40s. Where exactly in the mouth of the river are we speaking about? Are we going out into Yall Harbour? Are we starting from Yall Bridge? Well, we, we regard the estate's ownership... Um, to be where the black water reaches the sea, which is normally defined as a line across the mouth of the river from the Yule Lighthouse. And that's always been the case? As I understand it, that is the case, yes. There are some people in Yule, in the town council there, who would have issue with that. I, I, I know that there are, and I think that as far as the ownership of the, uh, of the black water, particularly in the harbour and so on, the best thing that could possibly happen, and it may happen as a result of this discussion in your programme, is that we should sit down with the people in your, uh, the officials, and not deal with this discussion through the media, except in this particular case it's very helpful. Um, there are a number of issues to be uh, which we would love to resolve, and uh, I would welcome an approach from the council to come and discuss them with us. On the lower stretches of the river, approaching the mouth of the river, mm-hmm. you have, there is a number of drift net licences. They've since been revoked due to government legislation. Yes, we have suspended them uh, voluntarily, but we still maintain the right to reinstitute them, and that will be something which won't happen just now, but it, we, we have not abandoned the right, the legal right to do it, but I think it's unlikely that we're 
we'll put that into practice in the immediate future. But I wouldn't like to say more than three or four years ahead. I think that, you know, situations change and we want to keep our options open. But the way in which those licences were operated is that you're essentially keeping them within the family that they were initially held. Yes, that's, that, that, that's right. We've always adopted the thing that if people wish to continue to fish uh, and, and to pay for the right to fish, pay us, which more or less covers the, the, the rates we have to pay, it, it is probably more sensible to continue a long-term relationship with people you know and get to know uh, than to dot about and, and get a lot of different people all the time. I've been speaking with some local fishermen and, and I've heard many sides of the story in relation to their perspective on yourself and the ownership of the fishing sure. rights. One perspective is that they don't believe a private individual should own such a river. Well, that's a perfectly reasonable political view, which I don't happen to agree with. So long as ownership is founded in law, and our ownership of the river is, we firmly and strongly believe, is completely securely founded in law, then uh, whatever people may wish the case to be, that is what the legal case is. The fact that, one, a private individual, and two, an English person owns an Irish river, that's always going to be... um a point of issue with some of the locals back at home. Yes, it is. But, of course, there's an enormous amount of businesses and property in, in, in Ireland which are now owned by overseas interests. And in many ways, the vast investment, particularly from the United States, I think that probably people would say that has been to the benefit of, of, of Ireland. Uh, I'm not saying that our land holdings has that sort of uh, effect on the Irish economy, but I think that uh, the fact that we're both England and Ireland are part of the European Union now, and I think this sort of nationalistic view about ownership of assets in a country is something which is getting less. But I quite understand the, it is an emotional issue. It's almost too predictable, though, in a way. Well, um, we all have our own political views. Um, I have huge faith in the Irish people. Uh, I, I, it's a wonderful, wonderful and very successful country. One can only admire it. Uh, I, I, I think that the disagreements about the ownership of our particular assets, particularly the river we're talking about, is something which is probably not huge interest to a, a large number of people, but I know that those people who are interested do feel quite strongly about it. It's clear that you don't have a, a forceful relationship in terms of trying to force your rights or, or your way into into the, the community, both in Yall and along up the Blackwater into Lismore? Well, we would um, defend our property rights, as would anybody, I think. Um, what is ours is ours. And if there is to be discussions about something to do with the river, particularly in Yall, then let's have those discussions. But we, uh, And it may be that we can come to some sensible agreement for the benefit of everybody. But... Um, we expect the property rights to be respected, and of course, indeed, they are, and always have been by the courts. Uh, and otherwise than that, we don't regard ourselves as particularly aggressive uh, landowners. But on the other hand, if there are things that we can do by discussion, as I say, we'll, we will sit down and think about it. Up until now, um, why is it that a relationship couldn't have been opened up between the old town council and yourselves? Well, I think. 
I, I'm not quite sure of the answer to that, but uh, it may be that we should now sort of turn over a new leaf and 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 see what we can do uh, talking to them, and and I'm sure that something good will come out of that. That invitation by the Duke to the authorities in Yall is the first ever since any Duke of Devonshire has held the rights to Yall Harbour. It would seem that the River Blackwater is in safe hands. Well, it's in many hands, of which we are one. Um, we will do our best to make it safe, to keep it safe, and make, make it prosper. Is it a place that you love? It's a place I have... Yes, I love it very much. I think that it's one of the most magical places I've ever been to anywhere in the world. Would it be fair to say that your general um, mindset or ethos in the river would be what we have, we hold? I think my mindset would be what we have, we hold, and we try to improve. The most lucrative fishing rights that the Duke owns is the mile and three-quarters stretch at Careysville, considered by many to be the best salmon fishery in the country. The type of people who, who come to Careysville, are they Irish or are they from other parts They're, they're of the from world? all over. They're, there's quite a number of English. The, we do let um, several weeks to Irish clients and we have European clients as well. The only Americans usually who come are sometimes uh, John Magna, who's a, a friend of mine. Uh, he sometimes brings some of his golfing uh, uh, associates down there. And so Tiger Woods has fished there once or twice and a few of the other well-known golfers have, have, have fished. But that's not a regular thing. It's just occasionally um, they come down as uh, guests from Coolmore. The amount that we charge varies, of course, according to the time of year. It varies depend sometimes with hindsight at the end of a week um, it, it depends on the performance of the river, and uh, so we charge what is a completely commercial rate for for the, that fishing. Which is roughly speaking, I don't have the figures to hand, but I could probably get them for you. A week at Carysville will cost you between two and a half and four thousand euro, depending on the time of year. For that, you'll have exclusive access to a five rod beat and full board accommodation. There is a 2.4 metre high weir at Careysville. At present, the Duke is challenging the state about this matter. Brian Sheeran, CEO, Southern Regional Fisheries Board. You know, I have responsibility for making sure that fish are able to move up the rivers and that there's no impediment to their to the thing. But with, with Careysville, the problem is that sometimes you get low water and runs of fish and if they can't get acro- across the barrier, it holds up fish and it's distressful for them. The minister, taking advice from Department of Marine Engineers, issued an order that it has to be removed, and I understand it's under a ju- judicial review, and I really can't say any more than that about it. Presumably, like any person who owns private waters um, that are open to, to, to fishing of any kind, there are rates to be paid. Yeah, the r- r- rates are levied on, on fisheries around the country, and the rate is struck every year. And the Duke would have somewhere between fifteen and £20,000 pays every year to the Fisheries Board in rates. Along the Blackwater here, we'll say, I mean, it's difficult to calculate, presumably, but if we took one mile of double bank fishing rights, I mean, mm-hmm. could you hazard a guess as to the value of those in today's money? Well, in the Blackwater, I'd say it'd be... Uh, one mile each bank, I'd say, you know, around 500,000, half a million, I'd say, you know, would be around that in my estimation now. That's from other fisheries that you hear about being sold. But a half a million would be conservative, I'd say. In relation to that, the Duke would own approximately, give or take, somewhere between 18 and 20 miles of, of double bank fishing here. 
Yeah, he would, and, and um, you know, you can work it out for yourself. He's, it's um, a great asset to, to have and to own, you know. I wish I had it. The River Blackwater is loved by the Duke, the communities that surround it, and the people who work there. Peter Pielski is one of those people. He's the manager at Carysville House. And Peter, we're standing in a hut by the, the, down by the riverbank of the Blackwater, but it's the finest hut I've ever been in. It's a cricket hut. <laughs> <laughs> it was brought over, I think, about 25 years ago and put up, so it was brought from England, and it just does the job very well. And the, the premise of the hut is that, that the anglers come here and... They, they come here, they, it's obviously protection from the elements, and also they have the lunch here, so they get served a, a three-course meal at lunchtime. Uh, waitress service and if they get bored with fishing they can sit in here and just read books and have a glass of wine or two. Down at the mouth of the river in Yall Harbour, Pat Parker and Sean Murphy may never fish again. Driftnet fishing is a thing of the past. Standing in Ballinaclash Pier, the Duke's permit that Roger Morrison handed down to his son that's been in his family for more than 200 years may never be used again. There are other traditional fishermen in the river, like the snap-net fishermen of Capaquin, who are in the same position. And of course the main attraction for the house itself is its proximity and fishing rights on the Blackwater. Well, yes, it's, it's one of the few houses where you can just peer out the window and see a fantastic uh, salmon fishing river beneath you, and you can drive down to the river, to the hut, and be there in two minutes. Is it a busy place? Uh, we're fully booked all the time fully booked. Some weeks are busier than others, you might get four or five people. Sometimes you get a big crowd when, if they've got something to celebrate, but uh, we can take 10, 12 people. That's, that's about maximum. Fishing the Blackwater has come to mean angling. Fishing is about economics, permits and tourism. But when an angler drives into Carysville, the package is all-inclusive. Whatever happens to fishing on the Blackwater, the Duke of Devonshire maintains an interest. And in terms of the types of people who, who uh, arrive at your doorstep here in Carysville? You can, <laughs> you can get anyone. Uh, you, uh, last week we had a fellow who came across on his own private jet from America and took the helicopter from Shannon. A couple of weeks before that we had the local fruit and veg men who uh, came and took the house for the week. We get. All kinds of people, they just got one thing in common, they like to fish for salmon. mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.